brother, on behalf of all of us who love the game and the Pro Football Hall of Fame, it is my great honor and privilege to welcome you to Kingdom Ohio as one of the very finest, best players, coaches, and contributors to ever play this game. And to sincerely thank you for all you've done for this game. Congratulations, brother. Love you, man. Love you. All right, welcome to In the Zone with Deremy and Jose. I'm Deremy, and I'm joined by my tag team partner, Mr. Jose Ruiz. Jose, what's going on, man? What's going on, brother? How you doing, man? I'm doing pretty good, pretty good. Enjoying the snow, you know, being snowed in, especially with the quarantine. I'm I'm used to it by now, so I'm not getting, you know, all Jones and to get out and break out now. I'm kind of used to being inside, but it does look nice seeing it fall. Yeah, and, like, and you know, I mentioned earlier, it, it was it, – it's been a while since we've gotten, you know, significant amount of snow, and and this is this is getting there. It's 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 getting there. <laughs> yeah, it's we're getting a lot. Yeah, we're getting a lot. So I'm uh, especially for December, it's kind of different. Yeah, but I, I'm good. I, I I went to the supermarket. I did one of those things. You know, you got to go buy all that shit before the <laughs> house again. And uh, but I did. I got like four bags of chips. I got. I'm good, man. I got. I'm. I'm straight. I'm gonna watch a good movie tonight. Maybe after this, and do it all over again tomorrow, right? Absolutely, absolutely. But we're here today to talk about the uh, the upcoming 2021 Pro Football Hall of Fame class, and we're gonna put a different spin on it. Obviously, Jose and I, even though I think we should be, you know, but we're not voters for the Hall of Fame. Yeah, we definitely should be. We should be. We, you know, maybe bring some sense to those guys yeah. sometimes. But you know, Jose, you kind of, uh, you kind of kicked this off this conversation when you brought up a certain, a certain player who is up for a. Uh, this is his first year on the ballot, and kind of wondering about is he a Hall of Famer or not? Yeah, and the player we're talking about, and we're going to profile a little, and then we'll get into, you know, who we think should get in this year. Uh, for the 2021, this will be 2021. Yeah, 2021 Hall of Fame class. And um, I don't know, the player we're talking about is none other than Calvin Johnson, you know. And and the only reason this is up for debate is obviously we all know, you know, Calvin Johnson's career. He retired at the age of 31. And, um, you know, he retired early. You know, he was still he was still at the top of his game. And I mean, we all know the story, right? He was at the top of his game. His retirement was kind of shocking. I mean, he was kind of hinting towards it. Not that he was retiring, but he was getting tired of his body being all beat up and stuff. I, I remember hearing reports and, and, and reading stuff online. But um, again, this would be a slam dunk first ballot Hall of Famer if he would have played another three, maybe four more years. So that's the only reason that this is even a good conversation because, again, Calvin Johnson was in the league of his own, you know, in, in regards to wide receivers. So we're going to get into that a little bit. And I know Deremy, you know, when I brought this up, you know, I, I know immediately you were like, yeah, we got to do this. So um, I'll ask you, like, what was, what, what was it about Calvin Johnson that, that piqued your interest so much? Uh, because there's always that question. I think the hall of fame in all sports, I, I think football and baseball, it sticks out more than the other ones, yeah. but all of them, you know, 
bring a sort of interest to, you know, all sports fans. And it kind of leads to that question of what is a Hall of Famer? And we know what it is once you're in there, (laughs) you know, like you're immortalized forever. But like the standard that you can have as a Hall of Famer. And I think earlier I was joking, kind of joking and not like start, you know, talking some sense into the actual voters. But to their credit, there are some it's not always as easy as it can look. And there's some guys who I'm like, wow, I wouldn't have thought of them as a Hall of Famer, but breaking it down, I could see that point. There's other guys who I'm like, he should have been in. Why did it take so long? And other people who get in right away, and I'm like, this makes no sense to me. So it, it's it's always leads to interesting conversation among sports fans. And Calvin Johnson is a classic example of, like you said, did so much in such a small time, you know, a nine-year career but really was a transcendent kind of player. And do you have to have longevity to be a Hall of Famer? Yeah, I mean, and then in regards to, like, guys being, you know, voted in, I also feel like like certain positions, it's it's really odd how long it can take a guy to get in. Um, and we'll definitely get into that because there's, there's one guy on my list that I don't even know how he's still on this list, right? And um, and then you know I was doing a little bit of research in that for that position, man, and and some of the greats have taken three, four times, you know what I mean, to be on the ballot to finally get in, which it, it kind of blows my mind. But so I, I guess I mean the glamour positions, I, I feel like it's easy to get to vote, you know, people in. But you're right when it comes to Calvin Johnson, man. Like nine year career, but it's one of those careers that you were never going to forget, you know, and. There were some really great wide receivers at this time. You know, there were some really good wide receivers, some on the same ballot, you know. But when I mean, you mentioned Calvin Johnson, it's 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 a different level, right? Like there's there's always levels to everything, right? Any conversation, any especially any sports conversation, there's different levels. And then there's guys, you know, there's a level like Jerry Rice, right? That I don't think uh, he's in he's in there by himself. He's in the class by himself. And then you have another level of like the Randy Mosses and the TOs and, you know, I'm, I'm missing a bunch of guys, but I, I feel like where does Calvin Johnson fit in these levels? You know, he doesn't have the longevity as some of those other greats, but when he was playing, he, he was, he was an all time great. And it was, and it was with some guys, it's hard to see that you got to see the longevity with some guys. It's like, Holy shit. Like this dude is about to change the game. And that's exactly what he did. And that's what I think, too. Um, we look at throughout history, there's guys like Gail Sayers who yep. really had six years, but they were a uh, very transcendent six years, and they really changed, you know, how we looked at football and how we looked at a position. Um, and, there's, you know, we go to, like, Terrell Davis, who got in, and he's someone I don't think, as much as I love Terrell Davis, I don't think he should have been in the Hall of Fame. In my yeah, opinion. I agree with that. I don't think so either. So, you know, and as much as he had a, a transcendent season, you know, in 98, getting over 2,000 yards, and that's always a special plateau for any running back. When you get over that, that's that's amazing. And you stick, you stand alone in a very small class for that season. I look at Terrell Davis really kind of having three good years. Yeah. Like, well, one great year and two very good years. 
and he wasn't a transcendent player, and I don't think he should have got in. So it, it it is always kind of questionable on on how to like decide. But I think Calvin Johnson to me, and this may be blasphemous. I'm not co- calling him Gale Sayers, but he's more in that Gale Sayers like class of transcendent for a short period of time than like a Terrell Davis class in my opinion. I agree 100. percent Like there's. There's a yeah, I mean a, a Gale Sayers class. That's another level, right? That he's like by himself. You know what I mean? Like that's I, I can't imagine the Gale Sayers playing now, right? Like I, I think it he would be like an Alvin Kamara times two, right? Like it it would just be unfair. But you know, it, when Calvin Johnson was playing, it was a little unfair as well. You know, I, I've seen him do some defenses that I've never seen before. And since, you know, like, like, and it is no secret. Like we've all seen the videos of like, you know, him being double team, almost like it looked like punt coverage. You know, it was like two guys literally standing right in front of him. I've never seen that before. And I, again, I haven't seen that since. And there were some great players, man. I've never seen that for Moss. I've never seen that for Jerry Rice. I've never seen that for, for a lot of these wide receivers, man. The TOs of the world. Like I, I I've never seen that before, man. And, that just shows the amount of respect that a player like Calvin Johnson and amount and and the, and the fear that he would strike on these defenses and defensive coordinators, man. And and honestly, there was I mean there was nothing you can really do, right? Like the the guy was a freak athlete, and and it was just sometimes you just throw it up and it didn't really matter who was there. I've you know we've all seen the highlights of him catching balls between three or four guys man it's just some guys it does not matter you you can have the perfect defense and it just doesn't matter their athleticism their greatness is going to prevail <laughs> you know and he did plenty of plenty of times i mean we we've seen it you know there's 2000 yard rushers there hasn't been a 2000 yard receiver calvin johnson set the record for receiving yards in the season He's 36 yards away from having a 2,000-yard receiving season. You know, like I remember one year, I I think like T.O.'s last year in San Francisco, he talked about that being his goal of getting 2,000 yards, and that was like, that's insane. That's laughable. Calvin Johnson nearly did that, 36 yards away from doing it. I mean, the record also for most consecutive 100-yard receiving games in a row with eight. He was Randy Moss, but consistent. I agree. I agree again, 100%. And let, let's talk about that year because it's one of the best seasons of all time, obviously, in the NFL, like any position, right? Um, I think he averaged like 120 yards that season, which was the highest of all time, still the highest of all time. What was crazy, he had 122 catches. And just for the yards, it was 1,009. For us non-man math majors, it was 1,964 yards. Average 16 yards a catch. Only had five touchdowns, which I was really surprised at when I look back at this. And um, But what a season, man. He had 204 targets, so they were throwing him the ball. You know what I mean? And rightfully so. Like, I, I, I definitely would too. And But what a season, man. And I remember that last game, and I was like, man, this dude's going to get 2,000 yards. Like, I couldn't wait. I, w- I was hoping yeah. he got it, man. And he, like you said, he fell short. And, and it was a shame because I feel like, I mean that's that's ha- that's going to come like two thousand yards for a wide receiver. It, it's coming, you know. But man, for him to do it in two thousand twelve, and it, it would have been it would have been something else. But again, amazing, amazing season. 
And, you know, you look at from 2011 through 2013, that's the most productive three-year run a wide receiver's ever had in the history of the league. You know, you you have to just give it that credit. And for me, I look at it as we, you know, we did um, check the archives, the 2004 NFL draft, and we talked about, you know, Larry Fitzgerald. And Larry, you know, this past, I guess it was last year, they did the NFL 100 list. And Larry Fitzgerald made it, which I thought was great. And I feel like what Calvin Johnson did by not continuing to play is he hurt his chances of making, like, that team, like the all-time 100. If he had a few more years, he's he's up there probably before Larry Fitzgerald if he doesn't stop, in my opinion. That's how great Calvin was. But to me, it doesn't stop him from being a Hall of Famer and honestly, a first ballot hall. Yep. Uh, I agree. I, I, it's funny because I was thinking back, right? And um, I was thinking back when he was, you know, in Georgia Tech. And I was like, man, like, I can't. I didn't remember, like, hearing about him so much. You know what I mean? Like, with some of these other guys. And, um, you know, his, la- his last year, I mean, he was all, you know, he was everywhere. He was flitting to call finalists and, and all that. And, um, but I, I remember this is my like introduction, I guess, to Calvin Johnson. I've seen him play in Georgia Tech and and all that, but I remember, I don't know where I was at. It might have been like a grocery store or something. I was waiting in line. They had the magazines there, right? And I just grabbed it and read it, and I was looking around, and they were talking about Calvin Johnson, and they were like talking about his his like combine numbers, and it, I started reading this, and I was like, holy shit, man! Like this dude, six five, six five. <laughs> Right, two hundred thirty-nine pounds, ran a four-three, forty-five-inch vertical, uh, eleven feet seven-inch broad jump. I was like, "Holy shit, man!" Like you know, and I, just reading that, I was like, "Oh my god, this dude is like a freak of nature, man!" And that's exactly what he was, man. I've never seen somebody with that size being that fast and have the ability to jump like that, man. Like I, I I've never seen it, and I, I don't know. I don't want to say we were like we'll never see it again, but it, it's going to be hard, man. Like, and I mean, you have like the DK Metcalfs now, the world, but I, he's nowhere near what Calvin Johnson was, in my opinion. And that was my introduction, I guess, to Calvin. My real introduction to Calvin Johnson. Yeah, I, I and I've read that. And I was like, holy shit, this dude is going to tear this league up, man. And and he did. No, I had, I had watched him that last year at Georgia Tech a little bit, and. Kind of, you're right. DK Metcalf is nowhere near, you know, and that's not fair to DK yeah. Metcalf to compare. He's him still to great. You know what I mean? Metcalf is still great. Yeah. 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 But it's, um, it reminded me because, like, I think when Metcalf came out, people were wondering, is he too yep. bulky to be a receiver? And it was funny because I was, I had the same thoughts, but I'm like, we've been down this road before. Calvin Johnson went like, and you late, you listed the numbers. When I first heard those and saw that the combine, and I'm like, is he really a receiver? He, should he be a tight end? Like when, because Randy Moss has had all that, but exactly. he didn't have the bulk with the weight and you know everything else was Moss as the height and the the speed and and the jumping ability, but Moss was slender. So you're like, okay, you kind of can see it with Calvin. I was like, he might need to be a tight end, and to see him just dominate and like you said earlier to have two guys like that gunner kind of position like, like that you see for a punt return 
and that's the dominance he had in that game. It, it truly was remarkable. And I'll be honest, for me, there's four first-year eligible players for 2021. You know, Jared Allen, Calvin Johnson, Peyton Manning, and Charles Woodson. And we're going to get into uh, who we're, who we would pick to be in and some of our honorable mentions. Only Peyton Manning, to me, is more of a lock than Calvin Johnson. Peyton Manning is the number one mm-hmm. lock to me. I think Calvin's number two. Yeah, I, I I can't argue that. You know what I mean? Like, and that's I guess it's not going to be fun then if we're agreeing too much on this. But no, I I agree hundred percent, man. Like, and yeah, because again, we'll get into this. I don't want to get ahead too much, but Peyton Manning is Peyton Manning, right? But again, like when it comes to wide receivers, you can say that about Calvin Johnson, and it's like you know, guys don't get measured to like Jerry Rice or. You know, I, I've heard, and I'll say his name, like Metcalf, again, being compared to like T.O., right? Like I, I've, I've heard that comparison, you know, but I, I have not heard a comparison to, to Calvin Johnson, right? Like I've never heard like a guy say, look, that's the next Calvin Johnson because I don't think we're going to see that for a while. And and with Calvin Johnson, man, again, you talked about him and Moss being kind of similar when it comes to all these like like all their specs, let's just say, and, and you're right, but – the difference is, and you look at Randy Moss, and he looks like a wide receiver, right? Like he's tall and slender. Like, but I remember, man, guys, Calvin Johnson catching slants and dudes just bouncing off of him. Like, I can't imagine trying to tackle a dude like that coming coming at you full speed, man. Like, and, and you got to do something about that. I, I, I'm not doing it. I, I'm making a business decision there. But, um, but there's there's if and the thing is, like, if I can make a wide receiver. Like if I can create one, it, it will be Calvin Johnson, hands down. Absolutely, absolutely. Even and I kind of thought Randy Moss would yep. always have that title, but Calvin he surpassed it. Um, and you know what I thought? I remember it was said when Calvin retired, and I didn't dwell on it. But when you know the past couple of days getting ready for this episode how heartbreaking that has to be. And I'm not here to knock on any other fan base, but like the Detroit Lions, if you're like that organization and that fan base, you have two within the last 30 years two generate once in a lifetime players with Barry Sanders and Calvin retire early. And really let's be real retire early because they can't (laughs) stand playing for your franchise. Yeah, it was, it's insane. And, and it's funny because as an Eagles fan this year, like I'm going crazy, right? I'm cursing the organization out. But this, for some organizations, this is what they know, right? Like this turmoil and all this, all this craziness is, if you're a Detroit Lions fan, like this is what you're used to, right? You're used to, and again, I'm not knocking them great fans, you know, but it's like you're used to being in last or third place. You know what I mean? Like, and, and, you're you're exactly right. Like I would, I would go nuts if if that was my team. Like if I was a fan of the Detroit Lions. Like you had these two talents and they hate your organization. You know what I mean so much. And I think what Calvin Johnson was a little different from from Barry Sanders because again I I've seen like I've read stuff that he was like worrying about the injuries now because they were starting to pile up a little bit on them and and I'm talking about Calvin Johnson and. You know, so that was like a big cost. But like, I also read that he wanted to play the year after he retired. 
Do you know what I mean? Like, and it was rumors of rumors of him coming yeah. back, but he did not want to play for Detroit. So it's it's sad, man. Like to have two talents like that, and and you don't know. First of all, you don't know what to do. I mean, at least with Calvin Johnson, you had Stafford there, and they were trying, you know. And but with Sanders, it was what happened there was was criminal. Uh, it was yeah. worse with Barry. Um, they, to me, they both were surprising. Calvin did foreshadow it a little bit more, but you know, it was Matthew Stafford, a good quarterback, and it was Calvin, a great trans, you know, once in a lifetime kind of a player, pulling Detroit into the playoffs yeah. like, like twice and getting bounced the first round, and and that's in his nine years. And then it was a lot of just losing, and then it goes into that, you know. We hear GMs and, and, and coaches, you know, I reading like Mike Lombardi's book and hearing him talk about just and we also know it just in our everyday life. Culture is so important. So you see what Calvin had. You look at it. Oh, wow. He, well, he played nine years and they made the playoffs twice. And yeah, that's not great, but it's not so bad. Well, you count on the previous 30 some yeah. odd years of losing. That even though you think well, that's the past, people always do think that that's still con- like that's why we do this show. It still connects and it still lingers when everyone's just like we haven't won, we don't know, and that losing mindset can really be contagious, you know. Like and that that wears on you. It wore on Barry. You know, there's no way if Barry Sanders is on a winning team, he's retiring that early. There's no way Calvin's retiring like that if they're on a winning. I know their Calvin was banged up, but if he's a team, not let's not even give like the Patriots. But if if it is like a the way the Eagles were in that time, where they're a consistent mm-hmm. playoff team, I don't think Calvin retires. Yeah, after I, nine I think years. he battles through some of that stuff, and and I, I agree. Like, you know, because if you're if you're playing on a losing team, and we all played sports, and I mean, some of us on higher levels than others, right? And it's like. And you're constantly losing, and I, I you see it with professional sports all the time, man. It's like guys kind of like, you know, they fold it in a little bit. You know what I mean? Like they start getting all these other injuries and kind of sitting out longer. And you know, and I, I would never question the guy when they talk about their injury; they can't play. I'm not. I'm never going to question uh, like a pro athlete at that. Like they, those dudes go through a lot of stuff, man. Especially NFL players, but. You know, you're you're right. Like if he was on a a pretty consistent winning organization team, I think he battles through some of that stuff, man. And and he may not he may not have finished his career as as Calvin Johnson, and that's obvious because that's what happens to all players. But he would have still, you know, if, even if he was two levels down, he's still a pretty good player. You know what I mean? So it, he would still make impacts. And as you can see. Matthew Stafford, everybody thought he was going to be this great quarterback, you know, when, when Calvin Johnson was there. And, you know, when as soon as he retired, he leveled right out, you know, Matthew Stafford. So, you know, the, the impact of uh, an all-time great player can have on other players, man, is it's astonishing, man. And especially in the NFL, when you're talking about a great wide receiver, what he can do for a pretty good quarterback, what he can make them look like, you know. I mean, there's no coincidence that, you know, a lot of these highlights, Matthew Stafford is just, you know, he has a cannon of an arm, you know, and he's just throwing shit up and, and Calvin Johnson's making it happen, you know. So it, it's it's crazy when you go back and think about stuff like that, man, because, you know, how, how one player can make the whole team that much better, you know, and, and he did. And you're right. You look back at Detroit, 
two two playoff appearances for them is is a big deal within a couple of years. That that's a huge deal, you know. And it's sad <laughs> to say, like, but it's that's that's the facts, you know. And 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 to to for him to to retire and not want to play for that organization says it says it all to me. It really does, and it says honestly just where this team is franchise is at and and where the mindset of a pro athlete now i don't know calvin some guys i think in in, you know in sports coaches players they are destined to leave early like they rather leave early than play too late i respect that um it's not the the yeah because it's not the norm honestly most times guys stay around too long but so who knows if Calvin could be on a winning team and maybe he would have played another two seasons, maybe three. I don't, I don't know what Calvin's makeup is like that, but that's still up to me, another two years yeah. of greatness that we would have had. And another two years of him cementing himself as, you know, on that pantheon of, is he a top five receiver of all time? And, and when we do the NFL 100 list or, you know, and when NFL films and NFL network do like the hundred greatest players of all time. And, you know, 10 years from now, like you're putting Calvin Johnson's name there. Like that's what we would have had with another two or three seasons. Oh, absolutely. Just off and, of that. And, and, you know, let's talk about longevity, like in, with some of the players that were playing in that era. Like I, I was looking up, you know, me and my numbers, I was looking up some numbers and stuff and like most receiving yards in the first nine seasons. Right. I know it's ESPN had this article, um, back when Calvin Johnson retired, I think it was. And um, so number one, somebody else isn't on this ballot is Torrey Holt, which I was kind of surprised at. But then you had Jerry Rice. Oh, I'll give you the numbers too. Torrey Holt was 11,864 yards in his first nine seasons. He was number one. Uh, the GOAT, Jerry Rice, was at 11,776. Calvin Johnson was at 11,619. He's right behind these guys, you know. Then you had Marvin Harrison, 11,185, and Randy Moss at 10,700. So it's like you see these guys and the numbers that they put up. If Calvin Johnson plays a couple more years, he's he's right there with these guys all time, you know, in regards to numbers and stuff. So he was right in the middle, you know, of all that stuff, man. And he, he was just an amazing player. And a quick question, quick question on Calvin Johnson. Megatron, is that a, that yeah. a top five nickname of all time? Just for, for just yeah, football or in all sports? I think that's one of the best nicknames of all time, man. It is top tough. five. That's it tough. is because there's some I, like, man, because I, I love, you know, I love like prime time is great to me. Uh, fridge, fridge I love is, fridge. Right on fridge is just that's, that's, that's a perfect, yeah, that's one of yeah, the yeah, it's just, um. I have to agree for like right Broadway now. Yeah, I, I would have to I say, like yeah, Megatron's Broadway Joe. Yeah, Broadway Joe. That's a great one too. Broadway Joe's. Yeah, me I mean, Joe, there's a lot of great. Green. I just think, man, like, uh, like, and again, like, I'm going to age myself a little bit with Megatron, but like with the Transformers, it's just like the embodiment of like badass, like don't mess with me. And it's oh, just, it was perfect. But he wasn't that like kind of like I. I didn't look at him like that. Like you know, like an aggressive, like in your face type of guy. He wasn't a diva either. That's why to me, he's like, I put him in, in again, over some of these other guys. Cause he, he didn't strike me as a diva. He wasn't this like, 
I want the ball. I mean, he was getting the ball enough, maybe not to complain about it, but, you know, he was just one of those, you know, I do my job, I do it well, I do it great, and let's just move on and play football, you know. So and that was another reason why I, I loved Calvin Johnson, man, like because he was just – it seemed like, again, from far away, because I didn't really – you know, we don't get a lot of Detroit Lion games in the East Coast, especially since they're not a good team. But, um, you know, he just struck me as not like a diva-type wide receiver. He wasn't, and I I agree. Like the mega, it 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 can sound like oh, but it wasn't a bad like it wasn't because of attitude. It was just he was that yeah, much exactly. of a, a freak of nature athlete that we hadn't seen before. And I I'll say this, you know, for kids who are now they're used to a time with red zone. Uh, I believe it was last week or two weeks ago when Scott they had like you know Scott Hansen's doing like you know I forget what milestone it was but he showed clips of like the first red zone back in like 2009 and talk about a player yep. who made red zone popular. It, it was Calvin Johnson. So now you guys are like young kids are used to, of course the red zone, like what? Like there was an NFL before the red zone. Like, yeah, there was times even, you know, before that it was the Sunday ticket was the big thing, direct TV and better hope the yeah. wind don't blow too hard. Yeah. Then the, the, the dish won't work, you know, but Calvin Johnson was that kind of a highlight reel to usher in red zone. And to me, who made red zone as popular as anyone you'd look at Calvin Johnson. And so that also, it's not like a, it's not like something you could put on his hall of fame resume, but it's just for those who don't remember, or maybe were too young. He, he was that impactful and that much of a human highlight reel that to me, he helped to build. Yeah. yeah but that's a zone. cool little notch to have on your belt right like but i i'll tell you what there is some stuff that you can put on that resume that he has and it's 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 out of this world type stats man and i'm I'm looking at some of these records that he has you know he's tied with or has like so i'm just going to run through this list real quick is again you just mentioned his resume perfect segue to why i wanted to talk about this stuff is like you know, NFL record, obviously, you already went over, right? In 2012, most receiving yards in a single season went 1,964. Seasons was 1,600 yards. He's tied with two, which is, you know, people think nowadays it's probably more, you see that a little more, but still, like, there's only a couple other guys who have done that. Most consecutive games with at least 100 yards receiving. He's tied with eight with Adam Thielen. I was surprised when I saw that this morning. Um most consecutive games with at least 10 receptions. So you see that now. He's like, holy shit, this dude had 10 catches. He had four games in a row with that. You know, most receive, well, most 100 receiving yard games in a single season, tied with Michael Irvin at 11. Most receiving yards in a five-game span. You talked about that earlier with the three-game span. He had 861 in five games. Most in six games was 962. Like, most in one game was 329. Like, this dude, man, and most with 200 yards receiving games with five like tied with five like this those numbers man and again this is in a nine-year span like he he did a lot a lot a lot of damage in the nfl man and again these numbers speak to that um for me it's and, and we'll we're going to get into our our list soon if you don't vote him in you're yeah. just trying to make him wait or make him suffer because he didn't play as long. There's no reason, and it's a travesty 
if yeah, he's not in this Hall of Fame this year. To me, you can't make an argument yeah, you're that penalizing he should not. Him for that he should wait. Early. That's that's what they're doing, and that's I don't think that's cool. Like To To should have been the first battle Hall of Famer. I get the off the field stuff, and you know I'm not I'm not here to like argue all these guys who weren't first ballot, but like I just think they try to prove a point sometimes, man. These writers and stuff, and I I don't know. I don't think that's that's not what it's about. It's just about the guy part. If the guy performed on the field, like he, he deserves to get in, and you're exactly right. I think Calvin Johnson, he should be in this year. And 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 I to that point, I also believe the only way is if something on the field it affected on the field. So they if they took like something or got caught with something performance enhancing, or if they were caught like you know fixing a game. Then I'm I'm with you, but other than that, it doesn't matter about your. We're not here to judge people on if they were saints or sinners or anything like that. We're just here on how great you were on the football field. So T.O. definitely should have been a first ballot. T.O. should have been yep. on the NFL 100 list, in my opinion. Um, that was a mistake as well. So and even someone who who could be more squeaky clean than Steve Largent, but he said it. He was like, they're just penalizing him because they don't like him. And two different people and Steve Largent and T.O., but Steve Largent, an all-time great, said that about T.O., and I think yeah. that's what we need to try to get rid of is these writers who are trying to penalize people. And, you know, well, I'm not, we're not privy to the conversations, but I want to hear what are the arguments against some of these people for or against because yeah, and the Hall of can Fame, be mind-boggling at times. They're riddled with guys with with checkered past. Like, you know, your all-time greats were playing half drunk. Like, you know what I mean? Like, so they just – it wasn't on camera. It wasn't on social media. It wasn't – they weren't in front of cameras, like, arguing with coaches. Like, they you didn't see that because we just didn't have the opportunity to see that with a lot of these guys. But, you know, I can can just think of five guys off the top of my head who are in the NFL Hall of Fame and – while they were playing, they were drug addicts. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's, it's – and I'm not judging them. Like, yeah, you know, but it's just – so you can't no, not at all. keep a guy out because he talked a lot of shit or, you know, he was arguing with a coach on the sidelines or whatever it was. Like, I I, I think you got to leave that stuff out, man. And I think to some of these, like, older writers, whoever – like, guys got the votes, like those older, like those – past back in the day people like you know what i mean like and um i think that gets to them more than if you had like a checkered past i I feel like like if the guy's like loud and i'm like flamboyant like i think that rubs them the wrong way even more than you know if you have four duis or whatever the case may be it's it's weird man but uh, yeah, I think you're right. I think I, I agree a thousand percent. It's a weird thing, but I think it is. And not trying to age people, but I do feel like sometimes these older writers get caught up in yeah. and they get caught up in. We all can be, you know, that's part of the fun yeah. of this podcast. Our, when we grew up, hey, you know, this is how we enjoyed it. This is how we liked it. But that really needs to get checked. The game is different. And personalities are different. Self-expression is different. And it's going to keep evolving, and that doesn't matter. You know, that should not be what you're trying to be objective. I, I agree. Take that away. I agree. And on a sad note, right, 
I was thinking about this earlier too, and I, I, I've I've been telling my friends this for for years now already. Like each of these guys that I've kind of selected to be in my Hall of Fame or whatever, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like the six guys I'm going with, I've watched all their careers, like their whole careers. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's it's sad, man. Like that means I'm getting old, man. Uh. I watched all six of mine. One started before I really watched. Only one for me. The rest of them, I you, I can say absolutely, I saw their whole career. And for a lot of them, I yeah. can say I yeah, saw their whole college careers. Yeah, no, man. So it's crazy. So um, we are. We're getting old. But, you know, I, I, I like this because I also, with a lot of things, when it now it may not be my taste on certain things, and that's fine. But when it comes to being objective, I like this. I like doing this podcast because it makes me stay to that. Like yeah. this isn't about whether it's my personal favorite. You know, you can have a personal favorite player, or you know, when you're talking with your friends or the other writers, I liked him better than him. Or if 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 so and so played in this era, they would have dominated. Oh, okay, fine, but then. Hey, is this per- player was he great, or whether it's coach or contributor, whatever the case may be, in their time did we see greatness from them, and did they change the game or make an impact or succeed at a, a level of consistency that qualifies? That's what matters, not yeah. whether in your era it they would have done great or that that needs to get checked and. I in other things I see myself doing it, whether it's hip hop and I'm like, well, Drake would do nothing, you know, back in the 90s. But like what I have to say, like all time greats, like well, Drake has been for a while doing great at, in the at, in hip hop. And is he on my list? Do I personally like him? No. But when you see his names on like all time careers, I would put, be putting my bias in if I said. No, nah, he has had an all-time career. So it's a lot of records. You know, it's, it's, you know what it's I mean? Different. Like, I guess that's the that's the name of the game, I guess. But yeah. no, nah, you're right, man. And and we always, if you can check the archives, like a lot of the shows when we're talking about Hall of Fame guys or whatever the case may be. I know for you, there. I mean, I, I'm definitely going to speak for you on this point, and um, I know for sure for myself. Like, I had to consider you. One like one of the best players at your position at some point in your career. Like, I I, I feel like that that has to be in there. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Like, this is we're talking about like the best of the best. Like, this is like, you know, it, that that has to be on on the minds of these writers, man, with their votes. And it just I I don't know if it is or not, but I know for me, it, it would be. You know what I mean? Like, I had to consider you the best at your position at one point in your career, at least at one point in your career. And if I didn't, and some guys even on this ballot may not have been the best at their position on their own team for a long time, but they were just so consistent that, you know, if you're doing something really well, doesn't have to be great, but if you're doing it really well for 12, 13 years, that also counts too. Like, and that's sometimes where I get caught up in, in like, is he, is he, or isn't he like, cause I, I can forget like, just because you weren't an all-time great doesn't mean you shouldn't get in either. So it is. There's a few guys on here that I, I was scratching my head. I, I I had a really tough time on with this list because there's some who were locks for me, but there was other guys like, oh shit, like dude had a nice long career and was like 
productive throughout you know so it's it, it, and you're right like that's why like i talk shit about the writers who and voters and all that but it is a tough tough job to, to select some of these guys you know no for sure it really is so let's, let's do it i'm gonna read off the guys who are the modern era the 25 modern era and at the end we could talk about the the senior, you know, the contributor and what we think about those guys. But to get to it, the 25 modern era uh, player semifinalists. Yeah. So we're starting with we have Eric Allen. We have Jared Allen, uh, D lineman, you know, Willie Anderson, offensive lineman, Rondé Barber, corner, Cornelius Bennett, like a DN linebacker, Tony Baselli, tackle, Leroy Butler, safety, Allen Fanica, guard. Rodney Harrison, safety, Torrey Holt, wide receiver, Calvin Johnson, wide receiver, John Lynch, safety, Peyton Manning at quarterback. We have Clay Matthews, Jr., <laughs> and that's for those listening, not the Clay Matthews who playing that his dad because Clay Matthews the third, who's, you know, just got played with the Packers, went to USC. His grandfather is also named Clay. So Clay Matthews, Jr., linebacker, played 20 years. Yeah. From the 70s to the 90s. Bruce Matthews' older brother. Uh, the, the late, great Sam Mills. Richard Seymour. Steve Tasker. Fred Taylor. Zach Thomas. Heinz Ward. Reggie Wayne. Patrick Willis. Charles Woodson. Darren Woodson. Bryant Young. So those are the 25 modern era player semifinalists for 2021 Pro right. Football Hall of Fame. So we're gonna give. Uh, yeah, it's a really good list. It's uh, there's a couple names that are like, eh, but it's a, it's a good list. Um, work. So for Jose and I, we decided on we're gonna give six, six from this list, and then at the end we can talk about some honorable mentions, and we'll also get to the whole like senior list. So looking at like the coach contributor senior thing with who are Tom Flores, Bill Nunn, and Drew Pearson. So we'll get to them at the end. But we're going to go six from the 25 semifinalists. So, Jose, do you want to – I mean, I think to, yeah. to for time – we know Peyton Manning is a, a lock for both of us. And I don't think we need to really say much. I, you can't, I heard that for Jerry Rice – like the guy who presented him for his first year just <laughs> yeah. said, I have two words, Jerry Rice. And they kept it moving. Like, I, I agree. And I, I feel like Peyton Manning's in that list too. Like you just say Peyton Manning and, and I'm not here to insult anyone, but if you're kind of like, well, what did he do? Yeah. Then I don't think you probably will be listening to this podcast. Like I just, if you're like, Peyton, well, I don't know what he did. Now, like, I want to say this probably though, aren't in listening. regards you to Peyton Manning. You're not going to listen. Cause you see, you see guys like you see you're seeing it this year. Like, you know, the Jets are 0 and whatever, 0 and 13. And you got Trevor Lawrence coming out. He's going to be the first pick if he comes out, but you know he's coming out. He's going to be the first pick. And you already start seeing media guys talking about, well, maybe he shouldn't, he should refuse to play for the Jets, right? And that shit drives me nuts, man. Like, I, I don't know. Like, I I just I that's just me, I guess. I don't know. But if I was Trevor Lawrence, I'm like, no, you know what? I'm going to go to the Jets and I'm going to turn this thing around. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm going to be a big part of this, of this turnaround. I'm going to be an all-time great Jet. You know what I'm saying? And these fans are going to love me, whatever. 
I feel like guys like Peyton Manning, that's exactly what they did. You know what I mean? He changed that whole organization's trajectory. You know what I'm saying? Like, and we we talked about it before. Again, check the archives, man. Like, you know, the Colts, knew the Patriots, they were laugh, they were laugh the laughstocks of the league when I was growing up in the 90s. And, you know, they were last constantly last place. You know what I mean? And then, you know, you had a guy like Peyton Manning come in. They took him number one overall. Obviously, they were picking first because they were a terrible team. And what does he do? He t- he changes the the whole future of that organization, man. And I, I it drives me nuts again, man. Like you see guys like, oh, I'm not going there. There, that's a losing, you know. They're you know they're not a good team. Of course, they're not a good team. They're picking high like that. And and you mentioned it with Calvin Johnson and like in Detroit, like trying to change that organization is like, you know, like again the trajectory. Like they're used to being such a bad organization. Like let me see, and the wide receiver is a little harder to do that. You know, then you know, playing a quarterback position, but I, I just, I it was so much fun to watch Peyton Manning. He, I, I was a huge Peyton Manning fan, man. The way he did to the game, how he changed the game, man. It's just, but I, I just wanted to say that because again, like I, I'm hearing that a lot with Trevor Lawrence, like oh he should not he should refuse to sign with the Jets. I think that's bullshit. I think he should go to the Jets and make shit happen. I don't know. That's my rant. <laughs> <laughs> No, I, I agree. Because that adds I to agree. their greatness, and I right? We're talking about Hall of it, Fame and them being the greatest um, of all time. I think not only was he a great player, but what he did for that organization, and they're still a great organization to this day. Like, he set them up, and he left them. Like, I mean, they were bad, like kind of a bad team when he left, but whatever. But you know what I'm saying. Like, it just, like, I, I think it, it, like, elevates your greatness when you do shit like that. Well, what I will give him – and it's off the field, like it's just culture. You can't, it's not, you can't put it in numbers. Yep. Is Indiana is a basketball state. And growing up in the 90s, and all throughout, you, you didn't hear anything about football. Even when the Colts went there in the 80s, it, it was a basketball. And Peyton Manning talked about that. Like it, when he looked around, all he saw was Reggie Miller, Pacers. When are the Pacers starting? That has changed. And I mean, Lucas, Lucas Oil Stadium is that's why there's a, I went there, you know, uh, 2019 There's a statue of nope. him in front of it. Rightfully, he there's no one stadium. else you should have a statue of than Peyton Manning. And he made that. Yeah, he built it. And also, I'll say. And this is him sharing with another person, but, you know, we both of us oh, were yeah. too young for for Chamberlain Russell. Yep. We really missed Bird and Magic. But we, I always say to people, we had Brady and Manning, and the game was already a popular game. But that rivalry, and you know, you look at the Colts and the Patriots, yeah. but the Brady Manning rivalry took the game to another level. Yeah, and that is something. And for a long time, those were always yeah, the, the games playoffs. of the year, regular yeah. season, and a lot of times they met. You knew it was going to be a playoff playoff matchup, but those were always games that you were circling and that rivalry to me took the game to another level. And it's the closest I've had to a bird magic or a Chamberlain Russell was great point. Brady and, great point. and that should not be understated. So, uh, so Peyton Manning for, for both of us, um, Jose, I guess we'll yeah, go. Cause I, I, I feel fun. like, <laughs> yeah. can we say Calvin just, we went like, is Calvin, he, yeah. 
So wait, so we both have two. We're two and two with Peyton and Calvin. So now who's who's your, your, your third? You're, you go um, next. So you're number. You know he's a Michigan guy. Should have been in Ohio State, Buckeye. But um, I I think I think, no, I think Woodson no. is, is a lock. I think he was made the right choice for a long time. Uh, in my opinion, the best corner in the league. Like he was fighting with Champ Bailey. You know, he had Dion, but Dion was getting a little older at this point, and you know, it was a couple other good corners, but I think those two guys were fighting it out for year in and year out as the best overall corners, you know, and, you know, there was a lot of guys who could cover, you know, Charles Woodson can cover the best of them. You know, there was a lot, there was, there were few corners who were physical corners, you know, who would come up and step into the, like, and, and help out with the running game, whatever, like, you know, Woodson was doing that, you know, he, big play guy, ball hawk, he was doing that. You know, if you need a punt return, he can do that. You know, if later on in his career, he switches over to safety, it was a great safety, you know, helped Green Bay win the Super Bowl. And, like, I, I just think all around, if you want to talk about DB position, and, again, I've mentioned this probably 100 times on this show already. Like, that's a position I really look at. You know, I love, you know, defensive backs. And I don't know at that time if there was anyone better d- d- doing it. You know, and I I think he's a lock first ballot Hall of Famer. He's on mine. I I think he was third yep. of the guys who were first year. He's behind Peyton and Calvin. I I like Charles. I to me what put him over the edge. He was always a talented one of the most talented players I've ever seen. Charles Woodson. And he showed that at Michigan, you know, the amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, especially some great running against back against Ohio Tennessee, State man. It was beautiful. But he, it was beautiful. But I'll say this: his time in Oakland, I saw the greatness. But I, he kind of had gotten to me like you know disgruntled, and wasn't. And I get it. Oakland was a losing team. What he went and did with the Packers. And you know, becoming yeah. that hard, you yeah. know, kind of switching, acting like 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 another Woodson, you know, Rod, going from corner to safety. That to me is what cemented him as a lock Hall of Famer. Because in in Oakland, I felt like he had a lot of talent. He's a great player, but he he kind of got lost in the shuffle a little bit and kind of got disgruntled. What was going on? I felt like yeah. what we saw not only did his production, but also with his leadership as well in Green Bay and helping him get that Super Bowl to me flipped it right. and made him yeah know, he was a huge part of that Packers team and make, you know, made he, him he, a first he was a leader at defense he was you know he elevated that defense because you know the Packers had that offense you know they had Aaron Rodgers they had all the weapons and you know defensively is where they always struggle with that and he came in and elevated that secondary you know and and he was a great safety and and I mean, it, it just goes like you mentioned, Rod Woodson. You can think I think about like Ronnie Lott did that. You know, was, you know, Pro Bowl corner and then moved to safety became probably one of the best safeties of all time. And you know, and Woodson, he wasn't a Ronnie Lott type of player, but he was one of those cover safeties that, and it was you couldn't throw over the middle. Like you know, if you were going deep, he was going to be out there. Like he had the range of corner, obviously, and you know, he had enough speed to play that safety position. And he was a ball hawk again, man. And he had really good hands and not like one of these DBs who 
had to play DB because they couldn't catch the ball. Like Woodson played wide receiver. Like you know what I mean. Like and it's he he was a great great player in my opinion, man. One of one of my favorite players to watch in the NFL. You know what I mean? Because I again I love the cornerback position, safety position, man. And he was and he did both of them at a high high level. To me, that's Hall of Fame level type stuff. He really is uh, one of the few players playing a Pro Bowl in three different decades. Yep. And one of only two guys in the 40-20 club with uh, 40, you know, over 40 interceptions and 20 career sacks. And I do have to say, like, yeah, he, to me, he's a lock. Yeah. He wouldn't be a – we know Peyton Manning's the, the most guaranteed guy. Um, and I think almost like – I think it's impossible he's not going to get in. So I don't have to put that up there, but I, I will say to me a big—he's the third biggest trap. I do think Calvin is a bigger Travis Steven. like he's a or more of a lock to me than a Charles Woodson because of Calvin changed how he looked at a position. Yeah, I think Calvin Johnson. But Charles had, Woodson is a first ballot Hall. Yeah, I got to be careful with saying this, but like I don't want to say more of an impact on the game, but I, I guess maybe that is a good way to put it. Like, yeah, I guess that's a good way to put it. Like, he had more of an impact on how no, he did. No, I think like, he did, Woodson yeah. was great at what he did. But Calvin Johnson changed a lot of shit. And, you know, and 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 I agree. I think it's Peyton. In my order, would be Peyton. You got Calvin Johnson. Woodson was my third guy in. And then, you know, we can go on from there. So we're we're at three apiece here. So this is where it gets interesting. I yeah. guess I'll give my number four, and here's where we may differ. I don't know. This is where I'm going because of the conversations we've had about Calvin Johnson. I knew it. I know where and you're going with just Go like ahead. you talked about your love for DBs. You know, you you know, I I love the I have to because they're they're getting more more recognition than they have in the past, but. They still not getting the love. Ooh, it's the O line. Not the guy I and thought you were. Tony Baselli used to be. You've mentioned this to me before. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna let you give your argument, but I, you've mentioned this to me before. I don't agree with it, but I can understand your logic. But again, I'll let you state your case. Because if we're looking at a guy who played from, you know, what, 95 to 2002, helped put a expansion franchise on the map. And to this day, still probably the greatest player in Jaguar history. And right away, he was an impact player for him. And there's no question that he for was. a time, you said it earlier, was the best at his possession. For a time, he was the best left tackle in football, including – Going, they put him one on one up against Bruce Smith on the biggest stages and shutting out some of the top pass rushers like Bruce Smith of all time. Tony Baselli did that, you know, three time first team All Pro, a member of the All Decade team. You have to, you know, five time Pro Bowler. He has that kind of impact to me in his time, the same way for his position, the way Calvin did. Tony Baselli was a different type. Remember. At that point, in the mid '90s, now yeah, I think it's huge, very man. common to see six foot seven tackles who move like that. In the mid '90s, that was still like wow to see that he's he kind of is 
that prototype left tackle we look for. And I can think of maybe, you know, Joe Jacoby be before him. But other than that, it still was not common to see. Tony Baselli was huge, like you said, and was the best. Le- and a lot of people at that point put him right up there with Larry Allen at, at those runs in the 90s as the best offensive lineman in football. Forget just tackle. I think the impact he made and how dominant he was as a football player. And he played, even though his time was cut short, the games he played, he played in over 90 games. To me, that is enough for him to be in the Hall of Fame. So Tony Baselli needs to make it, especially, like I said, if we're looking at Calvin Johnson. I'm not saying he's greater than Calvin Johnson, but we do have stats to help us break down. We have the eyeball test. We have stats to help us break down Calvin Johnson's greatness. Don't necessarily have that with Baselli, but we do have the eye test and we have what his peers say. And to me, his sample size is great enough and his dominance okay. is great enough make it, that he should mean, be make, the Pro Football Hall of Fame. I, I just think he was the he now, was, I, you I, would, I would agree that he was at some point the best he was the best left tackle, especially early on in his career. Like those first couple of years, he was he came right into the league, was plugged in, you know, and it was it. He was there. You know what I mean? Like I just felt like I just felt like he didn't play enough. You said 90 games. I don't know. I don't know if that's enough. I don't I don't know. And and he was great. I know early on he was career, he was great. I know towards the tail end it was a lot of injuries there. Uh, I don't know if he was the same player as he was when he came into the league, but it's tough. And look, I, I he was a great, great player. Like I, I'm not acting like he's a scrub because he he's not. I just think if we're putting in an offensive lineman, I, I'm going to have to go with a different off- offensive lineman in this class. And and I just – before Tony Baselli. I'm not saying he should never get in. I just think I would put somebody else in before him first. So I, I'm just I'm, – go ahead, go ahead. I'll let you finish and I'll jump in on my number four. I think – no, I, I I think there's other offensive linemen to me who are, are, are Hall of Fame worthy – I, I think Tony Baselli should have been in. So and I think that's probably the hardest thing to do. Um is like you know, you're comparing and, and sometimes it's like I think the and I'm sure I know who you're talking about. That other person's a Hall of Famer in my eyes too. Um okay. I think they were great, but I don't know if they were the best. Yeah, they it was one no of the question. Best. It was no Baselli question had he was at the top of his game. He was the best. He was the best. And I think and he he also as an offensive lineman, you could say Larry Allen yep. changed the game. Baselli, uh John Ogden, those guys, yep. how we look at left tackles is totally when, when different I, now yep. than when before I was they gonna came say, into I was, that the was league. another name I was gonna throw um, in that mix. He's, and, and Walter and Jones what they did, right up there. They got these offensive tackles paid too. You know what I mean? Like and, and they 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 made that left tackle into, you know, it was exactly. quarterback, you know, before it was like running back and, you know, like a bunch of other positions were like top of the food chain. You know what I mean? If you want to say that in, in the NFL, but you know, then it became the quarterback and then it was like, wait, we got to protect this guy. Like, so left tackle became like a very important position. I mean, they're all important, but left tackle became that blind side became 
such an important position on the offense that, you know, again, guys like that made that happen, made that popular, you know. So, again, I'm I'm not saying he should never get in. I I just think, again, I'm going to segue into my fourth guy. And um, I think Alan Alan Fanica should be in before Tony Baselli. I just think that he should have got in last year, Alan Fanica. I think he was snubbed last year. And um, and the only reason I think he did get in is because they had too many Steelers going into the Hall of Fame that year. There's no way he shouldn't have gotten in last year. Um, And I I was just looking at – because then you got to look at, like, all right, like, Let's look at other guys at that same position who just got in. And the first one that came to mind, I was an easy one with Steve Hutchinson, you know, and, you know, you, you look at their numbers, they're very similar and it's hard to gauge because it's not like they have yards and stuff like that. But, you know, they played, they both played, Fanica played one more year than Hutchinson. He played 13 years. Hutchinson played 12. You know, Hutch, Hutchinson has seven Pro Bowls. Fanica had nine, you know, first team all pros. Fanica has six to his five, you know, and it was just, very similar careers, but again, like Steve Hutchinson's in, so I feel like I think Alan Fanica should be the, the next lineman in, in this class, you know. And and it's funny because I, I was looking at he made the All Decade team for the two thousands, and the only two players, the only three players who are not in the Hall of Fame on that offense are Tom Brady, which he will be in. Lorenzo Neal and Alan Fanica, like the rest of that starting 2000 offensive lineman is in the hall of fame. So I just think, you know, we talk about like being the best at, at their position and, and stuff. I, I remember watching and they were, they were interviewing Ray Lewis and he was talking about Alan Fanica and, and he was just, he said, it. he was like, when he was on the field, he was great. Like, you know, and I, and that's, you know, Raven Steelers rivalry, like those teams, just beat the shit out of each other, man. And for a guy like Ray Lewis to give an offensive, you know, offensive lineman, a guard that much credit, man. Like, you know, he was saying like, he's the first, he's like the fastest guy to like the combo blocks, like to get from the D line to the linebacker. He said he was, he's probably the best he's ever seen do that. Like, you know, and that's, that's high praise, man, coming from a guy like Ray Lewis. So again, I think, I think Fanica should have got in last year, but, he he should be. That was he's like my fourth lock. I feel like you know what I mean. Like I, I don't think this is even up for debate. He should be in. He should definitely be in. Yeah. No, Alan Fanica should have been in. I will not put him over Tony Baselli for the reasons I said. Baselli to me changed how to get left tackle. I think, and this is hard because Fanica should be. He's a great guard. I don't think I know the numbers of Pro Bowls and All Pros. Fanica wasn't better than Steve Hutchinson, in my opinion. He was not. No, not my opinion. Yeah. Because Steve Steve Hutchinson, that combo he had with Walter Jones, I'm going to say only Art, that Art Shell Gene Upshaw in the '70s was a better tackle guard combo than what he had. That and they had the same impact where. When the Seahawks in the 2000s, I mean, Matt Hasselbeck was was nice. All Wasn't anything though. special all to me. To that line. John Alexander had a few Absolutely. good years, all due to the combo of Walter Jones and Steve Hutchinson. So I give Steve Hutchinson – and Al, I love Alan Fanica. He was part of some good lines all around. But that two combo, I only will put the great Art Shell and Gene Upshaw above those two as like that tackle guard combo. 
those two were dynamic. And Steve Hutchinson was a dominant, and he even brought it to Minnesota. So, yeah, I think both of them. I hate that the Hall of Fame does this; like they have to pick one position or one guy from a team or an era. Both of them should have been in last year, but I I put Baselli and Hutchinson over Fanica. But I think Fanica needs to be in. So like, um, he didn't make my six because just yeah, knowing how the Hall of Fame them. does it, I thought Baselli over Fanica. Yeah. But I think Fanica should be in. And if Fanica got in, I wouldn't be like, why is he like, he's definitely a Hall of Famer. He was great. Um, because the only, I, you know, the only people yeah. I've seen Ray Lewis talk about like that, he talked about, you know, Dermani Dawson also, you know, yeah. who was a center for the Steelers and maybe the greatest center ever. And then he talked about that, the great chiefs lines of the two thousands with Will Shields, Brian Waters, Willie Rofe, and how it Will Shields got to that to next too. level. Like, and yeah. you know, and that, that's my point like, I was making earlier. Um, like there's some positions where it's just right. taking and, these and, great offensive yeah. linemen. It, it's taking them too long to get into the hall of fame. And I know it's not a glamorous position, I know you can't really measure it with stats like you, you can do all, you know, especially all offensive positions. But yeah, like it, it took Will Shields four tries to get in the Hall of Fame. That's that's insane. Like he was a fucking all time great man guard, and it's just I don't get it, man. I don't I don't get it. And you're right. I think it's just sometimes they had like last year they had you know Hutchinson and Fanica both should have got in, and they they probably felt like they couldn't do that, and that's that's not cool. And and Will Shields to me, absolutely. He's only behind, in my opinion, in his time, Larry Allen. That's the oh, only man, guard I put Will Shields. Like I, Will Shields compared to Hutchinson and Fanica, I'm taking Will Shields over both of them. You know, and that's the thing about linemen. It, it can be like the biases, even still. And you've talked about like the the, the media and the East Coast and West Coast because a lot of times I love John Ogden. <laughs> But people will talk about John Ogden before Walter Jones. And to me, watching the film, Walter Jones was a better player than John Ogden. No disrespect to John Ogden. And even hearing like Trent Dilfer, who played with both of them, was like Walter yeah. Jones was better than J.O. And J.O. was great, but Walter Jones was a, a, a lock. So it, it even is like the media bias sometimes that gets in the way of it, too. So um, it's interesting. I, I, I can't knock it. You know, I, I love. I think Baselli needs to get in because if we can do oh, that at certain like positions, like quarterback it, yeah. with Kurt Warner or, you know, uh, running back with uh, – I think NFL offensive linemen can have that too. And that's why I think Baselli needs to get in. But there's no debate. Yeah, gonna like or like, one. what? When you say Alan um, Fanica, he, he was a hell of a lineman. Yeah, you're up. I did, I did. Who's your uh, – or should I go, I guess, with my fifth? So I have Peyton Manning, Woodson, Johnson, Baselli. And this one, I won't lie to you. Is there uh, a little bit of personal love and bias? Yes, but that's not what's running this. I knew it. And I hear me it. out. I'm going to go ahead. with the late, great Sam Mills as my number five. I have to. I have to. And the biggest thing is – what starts, and we had said yep. this in our, our check the archives once again, our episode with Jeff Perlman, who wrote the book on like 
the the USFL. The USFL, this is the Hall of Fame, you know, the Pro Football Hall of Fame. The USFL was professional football. And just to me, like, we should not knock, well, I look at what Warren Moon did in Canada even. You know, it wasn't like Warren Moon did something to get out of the league because of, you know, bias and prejudice. Warren Moon didn't get a chance because of bias against Sam Mills being five foot nine. He didn't get a chance. And to go into the USFL for that short of time to be a champion and to be yeah. arguably the best player in that league right up there with Reggie White says a lot. And then we go to we talk about changing cultures. We said it with Peyton Manning. The Saints for 20 years were nothing. And then you bring in the Sam Mills, that, that defense, Ricky Jackson, no joke. Vaughn Johnson, Pat Swilling, the Dome Patrol, arguably the, yeah, arguably the best linebacking core ever. They became a multiple-time playoff team. When you have 20 years of nothing in New Orleans, he earns multiple Pro Bowl appearances. And Jim Mora, who coached him at USFL yeah. and in the NFL, called him the best player he ever coached. And Ricky Jackson's in the Hall of Fame, and rightfully so. I think Sam Mills should be in because then you look what he did to Carolina. Going there, they're an expansion team. And to be a pro bowler, the oldest defender ever to be invited to a pro bowler at 37, and to be an all-pro at that time, that to me is impressive. And to lead them in their second year into the championship game, and at the age he was doing it, you have to give him credit. So to me, I look at the USFL effect as well as what he did in the NFL and still was one of the best middle linebackers to play, you know, throughout his time in the NFL, even though for a few years he was not let in due to all it was was height. And they've said that the Browns cut him because of just, they didn't feel comfortable with his height. He made plays. He was the best linebacker on the field. They just didn't like a five foot nine linebacker. And I think Sam Mills deserves to be in the hall of fame you know, five Pro Bowls, first team All Pro in '96 at the age of 36, 37. You know, second team All Pro and changing cultures. And let's, well, I'll take that back. Changing the culture in New Orleans, and then establishing a culture, being the foundation of a culture. Because let's look at that, Carolina. Yeah, look at Kerry Collins, and you know, he was the guy who established the culture in Carolina. Which continues to, exactly, which it continues to this day. That is beyond just stats and numbers, and I think Sam Mills. Yeah, I had a feeling. I saw that name. I was like, because again, should I, be in the Hall of Fame. I'm going so back to that conversation five. we were having with Jeff Perlman. Like, I I had a feeling you were going to bring his name up, and, and it's a good argument, man. Like, you know, he was a great player for a long time. He was on some all time great defenses. Only thing that stopped that Saints team from winning. I don't want to say a Super Bowl, but winning some playoff games and being a Super Bowl contender was that terrible offense they had, you know. And uh, yeah, yeah, it, it was. I mean, the Eagles went in there and beat them in New Orleans in '91. So, Bobby Abraham. and that was another great Eagles defense. That was a that was a good game. And um, but yeah, I mean, I, he was a he was a he was a great player, and especially, you know, you want to look at his size because that's the first thing people look at, and you know, for being that size, he was he was. He was an all-time great linebacker, man, and he 
you know, I, I can't put him in over the guys I picked, but I, I can see the argument. I, I'm not he – sh- he should be in the Hall of Fame because, again, you're exactly right. It's not just what he did in the NFL. It's what he did, you know, for professional football. And, um, you know, if other guys – no, you're good, you're good. And by that case, though – sorry to cut you off. I just wanted to say – we look at basketball in the ABA and how rightfully so they should talk about what they did. We look at the AFL and we got, you know, talk about, Hey, we, we include what you do in the AFL in the NFL and we should promote the AFL even more. The USFL needs to have that because we look what the, the players to us and coaches, the USFL produced that was professional football. Yeah, and there was good. for a short time bidding wars, you know, Herschel Walker went to the USFL, Jim Kelly, Reggie White, Steve Young. So that needs to be taken accounted for. And of all those players, to, to put him the impact and people saying the best player uh, that, who that league produced, or at least was the best in that for that time in the league, is a yeah, two-way no, race I, between I agree. him and, and Reggie again, White. He's, that's he's a great, great player. And that's why um, I, I couldn't pick him on my six, but – I, I get the argument. I see the argument. I'm not I'm not knocking the argument. I, I knew you were gonna go there. I knew he was gonna be one of your guys, but that's hey, I, I again anybody that's selected on here, I would say <laughs> with a couple that I, I think that you shouldn't even be on this list, but you know, I, I can see the argument, right? Like I can see the argument that at some point in time they were great players and and Sam Mills was definitely one of them. So um Yeah, yeah. I just yeah, we'll, we'll Zach Thomas, uh, yeah, Fred Taylor. Right, okay. Young. Um, even though Fred Taylor has some really good seasons, but whatever, that's Fred Taylor. Anyway, um, yeah, Brian Young. I was surprised when I saw that name. Um, all right, so I, I'm at where I'm at five. Yep. So again, and if you've listened to the show, there is some bias here, right? Like, You're at your fifth. You know, yep. Jeremy, you know. He leans to the lineman. That's the position he grew up and loved, right? Like that's kind of where he focuses, you know, where his focus was on when, they, you know, the games were on or whatever because he's mentioned it here hundreds of times. I've mentioned my love for DBs. And um, and even in this class, like safety position is hard to get in the NFL. It's been – until recently, it's been pretty hard to get in the NFL, you know, in the NFL Hall of Fame if you were playing safety. You know, we got like, you know – Brian Dawkins got in, Palomalo got in, you know, but for a long time there, it was, it was a tough position to crack in. So this class has three of them, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, once, well, four, if you look at Darren Woodson. And, um, but to me, the one out of all these safeties that should get in is, um, I'm going to go with Ronnie Harrison. I think he should be in the Hall of Fame. Um, and if you look at, you know, you want to look at stats, we can do that. That's, that's easy to do. You know, he was the first guy. With the third, you talked about Woodson with the 40 20. You know, um, Ronnie Harrison was the first guy with 30 30, 30 interceptions, 30 sacks. He was the first one. Uh, he's like one out of three, and he he was definitely the first one. And then, so I, I was thinking, like, all right, like you got John Lynch in this in the, on this list, you know, um, uh, Leroy Butler, Darren Woodson. I like Darren Woodson, you know, I thought he was a really good player. Um, but I, I can't put him over John Lynch. But I, I or Ronnie Harrison, but I can definitely put Harrison over John Lynch. And um, so then I did a, like a little digging, right, which is easy to do. And um, so I was looking at their numbers, man. They're 
and it's not close. Like Ronnie Harrison, you know, he, the problem with Harrison, and we talked about him when we, you know, checked the archives, when we, when we did our 94 AFC championship game with Steelers and, and Chargers, and it was – he played on a lot of bad teams, you know. And I know John Lynch did as well, and I, that's not my only argument here, but I just – there are two that are on the same – on the same list. So I just felt like it was easy for me to compare the two. So, but later on in John Lynch's career, he played on some, you know, Super Bowl winning teams and, you know, on some all time great defenses. But I just think Rodney Harrison being out in the West coast, being on some bad charger teams did not get the love that he really deserved. A lot of te- a lot of fans looked at him as like a dirty player, you know, and I, I don't think he was a dirty player. I just think he was a hard nosed player. He was a hard hitter. You know, and that's obviously, you know, towards the end of his career, he was getting fined like crazy, you know. But at that when he came into the league, if you were in a hard hitting safety, man, you probably weren't going to play too much. And he was one of the hardest hitters. He was one of them. He was an intimidator in the middle of that defense. You know, he again, 30 interceptions for his career. He, you know, he he wasn't the best cover safety. I'm not going to say that, but. You know, he played a long time, so he, you know, he had a lot of interceptions, 30 sacks for safety. Is, it's obviously that's a high number. So, and I just think, like, you know, we can look at him like, all right, with the Chargers, you know, he was on some terrible teams. He can't be that good of a teammate or whatever you want to say. He doesn't elevate guys. But then you look at him when he went to New England. And, you know, a lot of people I remember myself was like, oh, this dude's washed up. Like, you know, he's going to go to New England. He's probably going to get cut, whatever. And he had a really nice career in New England. You know, everybody remembers him for the David Tyree catch and all that shit. But I don't know. I look at this list and I I, I think Rodney Harrison deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. Again, I, and some people look at John Lynch because that's the bigger name. But I, if you look at their careers, man, I think I think Harrison had a much better career than John Lynch. And if you had to pick a safety out here, which I'm going to do, I'm going to go with Rodney Harrison as my fifth player. I mean, I think Rodney Harrison should be in the Hall of Fame. He he didn't make my list because of already having Woodson and then who my number six guy is. That's why I didn't put – but I think Rodney Harrison should be a Hall of Famer. And I do agree with your point. I think at first, if you just hear the names and aren't really sitting down and thinking about it and watching it and re- also, you know, if you had the memory to remember – yeah, you might say John Lynch, but I agree. I would put Rodney Harris. I think John Lynch is 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 tough, and I think he he he's kind of on that. He's a tough one. He's on that because I think John Lynch kind of people poo poo him, and I feel like he gets the same effect that Rodney Harrison did, which is that in the early two thousands, mm-hmm. Ed Reed. Palomalu, Dawkins emerged and they got a lot of pub. They were big, hard hitting, playmaking, you know, every with those long interception returns and Dawkins and Palomalu with the big hits. And I felt like then all the safeties of the 90s got forgotten from uh, Steve Atwater, who just finally got in, to Rodney, to Lynch, to Leroy Butler, who's on this list. They all kind of got forgotten because of what went down in the 2000s which isn't fair. Um, kind of like that whole receiver thing. I felt like always Andre Reed and Chris Carter got forgotten for so long because of the 
you know, what the receivers after them were doing numbers-wise. But um, I think Rodney Harrison is definitely worthy of it. And I, I he kind of has the same effect yep. in a way that Charles Woodson has, which is if you look at where they were at in their first st- uh, stops in their career, it's it's really good. And it's like, yeah, like it's close, but okay. But then when they go to these other places and to their credit and to, you know, football, like everything, you know, team takes team around you. When you get them in better situations, their leadership and the ability that they shown really all throughout their careers shines on an all time level. And Ronnie Harrison, to me, it was yep. huge in keeping the Patriots instead of, cause let's be real. In 01, they're that Cinderella story with Brady and okay, all that. But then no two, they missed the playoffs. They're nine and seven, I believe, or eight and eight and missed the playoffs. And Lawyer Malloy's a good player. And that was so controversial when Belichick let him go and replaced him with Rodney Harrison. And to me, Rodney's a big reason why they went on to win two more Super Bowls. And I'm not saying it would not have happened without yeah, him. Yeah, he brought a and certain he kept like, Lawyer Malloy to that team. But and, and I love I'm your not point. So you're certain exactly that, right. that does for him. Because towards the end of that charge, his Chargers run, like it was, it was bad. You know what I mean? Like they were not a good team, and you know they were saying he was washed up, he couldn't cover anybody. You know, so you look at him, he goes to New England, and like I said, like I was like, man, like from everything I'm hearing, this dude's done. Like you know what I mean? And you put him around some good players, you put him around some with good coaches, and he elevated himself, and he made that defense. He made that defense into, and they were already a good defense. But he just made them like he gave them like a nastiness, you know what I mean? Like, and that's and, and that's hard to get. Like, only certain players can do that. And what happens is that, that rubs off on the whole defense, man. And next thing you know, everybody else is hitting harder. Everybody else's their effort is a little. They're they're giving more effort. I would just say it like that. And you know, I I was I was really surprised what he did in New England. But then again, it's like this dude was a really really good safety. I remember the Chargers came in and played the Eagles, man, and, and him and Runyon were getting it on. And I think he, Rodney Harris, and he was on NFL films. Harrison was, yeah, Harrison was mic'd up, and him and Runyon, they were getting it on. He almost killed McNabb. Harrison, man, he hit. He I was, I was at that game, them, man. And you know, I, I, I was like, man, this dude is no joke, man. You know what I mean? Like, in, and again, because I'm not used to seeing him play. I'm they're the Chargers. They were not a good team. They're in the West Coast. I'm not watching too many Charger games, and I just feel like. Once he came to New England, he got that recognition that he deserved for all those years. And for me, and I'm glad you pointed that out, like I felt like that elevated him, again, from being a great safety to being in that Hall of Fame class. And, again, the safety position is is hard to crack in the the Hall of Fame, but I'm glad guys like Dawkins, Ed Reed, Palomalo are starting to, like, kick that door in a little bit because the safety position is a super important position, man. But, again – Ronnie Harrison would be known, my fifth guy. Oh. oh, yes. It's also important to point out for Rodney Harrison the clutch factor because in those three and oh four, the talk about giving Peyton Manning, you yep. know, nightmares. The interceptions he had in, in, in that 03 run over on McNair, on Peyton, yep. on forcing a fumble with Marvin Har- uh, on Marvin Harrison. You know, and kind of says eerie, honestly, you know, in that 03 Super Bowl, that first one, he yeah. breaks his arm 
in the game and can't return when they lost to yeah. the, the when they won over the Panthers when the Terry hit that field goal. Charles Woodson had the same thing with the Packers when they beat the Steelers, yeah. breaks his arm. So it's very interesting how kind of similar they are in a way. But then even the next year, in 04, intercepting uh Pinches it. Peyton Manning and Big Ben back to back weeks. And then yep. let's guess what? In the Super Bowl, seven yeah. tackles a sack and two picks on our Eagles. Like he was clutch. And I think that right there puts him ahead of John Lynch. And it's tough. I'm not going to say I regret my, my number five or six, but I I think Ronnie Harrison should be a hall of famer anyway. And should have been in. So a lot of these guys should have, we should not have them. They should already be in like Rodney Harrison and some other people, Fanica. But I, I didn't put him on for a different reason, but man, you're making some points that maybe I should have should have put him in there. But um, I want to stick to my number six guy, and he is a DB. And just like Rodney Harrison, you know, we're both Eagle fans, and he heard us. This guy maybe had the I think outside of Joe Carter's home run and maybe Kawhi Leonard's game winning shot, he could put up there now. Talk about a play that has hurt Philadelphia fans more than Rondé Barber's interception, but I, I got to put Rondé Barber in there. We talked about the 40-20 club, 40 yeah. picks and 20 sacks. Charles Woodson is one of two. The other one is Rondé Barber. And to me, you look Very at what Rondé did, a Super Bowl champ, his clutchability, uh, three-time first-team All-Pro, very quiet. Yeah. And, you know, I think it's it's the fact that his identical twin, Tiki, is so much of a talker and and played in uh, played in New York and got the spotlight. And Bronde kind of – I think he just said, I'm going to keep doing my job and doing what I have to do. But I believe you can also look at as a nickelback and how he played the game – Rondé Barber changed the game, and he's a part of the he's a part of the, the the cover two defense, or the Tampa two. What what Dunst brought is huge, and that was different. And he's a part of a defense that was really changing it. But the way Rondé played, and we haven't seen he's one of the most versatile defenders of all time. And the way he played that nickelback position is different, and he has that impact on the game that now we're seeing more of. But we did not see it before. And I think we have to give him credit for that. So yeah. I I also love to look at, you know, he's kind of an Iron Man in a way, too, with uh, consecutive starts. And if we're going to give Brett Favre, and I'm not knocking Brett Favre, if we're going to give him all that love, you know, as a quarterback, got to give love to other positions who play every down, not like kickers or something, but play all the, you know, they put their bodies on the line and play consecutive games. Rondé Barber did that as well. So I will have to look at – also let, let the league in interceptions one year. He should be a Hall of Famer in my opinion. He, he just really did help to change the game as not only the defense he was on, but how he played it. Hadn't seen a nickelback. That's, that's, a, that's a good one. So you know, and I, I didn't even – to be honest, to I didn't even consider Barber him. As and, my number six and you're exactly right. Like nowadays in the NFL, like – you know the nickel corner. It's it's he plays eighty percent of the time. You know, so he he made that 
position again. We talked about a couple other players in our list. Like he made that position. Like that nickel corner was not really talked about. That Tampa two defense, I cover two defense, was an amazing defense. Now Derek Brooks made that defense what it was, in my opinion. Um, his ability to cover everybody and cover that middle of the field, but Rondé Barber was a big part of that. And if you think about that defense, man, you had Warren Sapp. You know, Simeon Rice was no scrub. You know, you had you had Brooks, you had Lynch, you had Barber. It was no surprise why that defense was top five defense every single year for a long time. Yeah. I, I, and I'll say this, you're right. And I think there's there's a reason why Derek Brooks was the first of those guys to get in the Hall of Fame, rightfully so. And Sapp was great and should get in. Number three to me is Rondé over John Lynch. Rondé Barber, what he did and the impact he made was greater. And I, and I like John Lynch a lot. John Lynch, I feel like because he went to the media and now as the GM – and he yeah. wasn't a hard – he was a hard-hitting safety, but he, his hits weren't like those highlight – like the, you got jacked up. He didn't have a lot of those kind of hits, like a B-Doc and a, and a Palomalu or Steve Atwater. But John Lynch was good, but he did not do the impact and was not as – he wasn't as important to the success of that defense, in my opinion, as Rondé. And, you know, we talk about always, and we've mentioned it, you you make a part if you can't talk about the history of the game without mentioning, like you said, we can't talk about the history of the game and the way a nickelback was played before Rondé Barber and the way yeah, it's he played had, after. And you him. always hear like the That's cliche he had a nose for the ball, and he definitely did. You know, you mentioned it, forty twenty club. You know, he had forty seven interceptions, twelve fumble recoveries. Like that dude's always around the ball. Like if something's going on, like he's 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 there. You know, and 20 sacks, you know, for 28 sacks, actually, for a cornerback, that's that's <laughs> that's a lot of sacks, man. You know what I mean? And again, that was the that was the time where you started to see that shift in the in the defensive back. And I it's going to sound like a homer, but I just feel like when I feel like the first time I really saw like a safety playing up, up in the line of scrimmage. And they all played – like a lot of them played up in the line of scrimmage, but they were blitzing. And I remember Brian Dawkins, man, he was like – the, one of the first safeties that I can remember, and obviously it was probably before before that, but you know that I can remember with Jim Johnson blitzing them, and you know he was always around the ball, man. And now you started to see this with the Palomalos, and now you have you know Rondé Barbers, and then you had you know you had a lot of now you have a lot of DBs doing that now, you know. Um, but yeah, Rondé Barber was it's a really good pick. And um, go ahead, go ahead. Well, I, I do just want to say to make a position that was looked at as far as the weak position, which was, it was kind of like, oh, you're the nickelback, which I think is what's hurting him, sadly, into the way the game has expanded and so many, you know, three, most, yeah. four, five receiver sets and making it now probably the most important position on the field or one of the most important. Um, and the yeah. way he was used, like you just said, with like how Dawkins was moved around, Rondé, how many nickelbacks were blitzing and being moved around the way uh, Monty Kiffin was moving him all over? And I just think that it's a shame that 
he has numbers that are as good as guys who are just regular cornerbacks. And now that he had to do more of a role of being part linebacker, part safety, you know, doing all these things. Yeah, and again, it was I just a very think quiet you, have to, you have to give that guy good so much for a more long credit time. than he's you know getting I mean? and, and um, needs to be in the Hall of Fame. Again, the nickel, the nickel corner position is, is so important. Now you mentioned that, like, if you have a good, a lot of these defenses, really good defenses, not only have the, you know, they have this good starting secondary, but they can bring in a guy again that third corner who can also make plays and cover, and you know that's what makes these good defenses into elite defenses. You know, and if you had that third guy, yeah, it's going to be hard to to throw on you, man. And and he was the quintessential. Number one nickel corner that I can remember. If I can pick a nickel corner, it's going to be Rondé Barber again because not only can he cover you, but he can also – he was playing the run. Obviously, he was glitzing. He was getting to the quarterback. He was around the ball, forcing fumbles, recovering fumbles. I mean, what more can you ask from a DB? But, again, very quiet career. That's all I can just remember about him. But, again, here in Philly, that interception return in the NFC Championship game is one of those plays that, like, I can't watch. You know what I mean? Like, I, I just can't look at that, though. All right, so I'll, I'll go with my sixth guy, and I was, I was a little reluctant to to put this guy in, yeah, because um, I was just like, you know, eh, like I really didn't consider him like maybe a, a couple years there. Like I, I felt like he might have been, you know, one of the best defensive ends in the league, and you know, he had, I think it was 2011. Yep, 2011, he had an amazing season, 22 sacks. Um, and I, I'll I'll tell you why I I put him in because again I this was the guy I was kind of fighting with and um I'm going to go with Jared Allen and and I at first I was like Jared Allen no like not a first battle Hall of Famer in my opinion you know he had a really nice career if you look at the numbers you know which is easy to do again 136 sacks that's right there for a lot of guys that's putting you in the Hall of Fame but um you know. And then I started thinking, like, man, first ballot, nah, he's not a first ballot Hall of Famer. So I was like, let me just start looking at other first ballot Hall of Fame defensive ends. And the one guy I thought of who was kind of recent was was Jason Taylor. And I was like, you know, I'm thinking in my, you know, in my head, Jason Taylor had this a much better career than Jared Allen. I I would take a Jason Taylor over a Jared Allen. Um, but they have very, very similar careers. And Jason Taylor was the first ballot Hall of Famer. So just based on – then I started looking at other guys, and I started pulling out guys like Chris Dolman. I was like, oh, no, his career is amazing. He had 150-plus sacks. Like, I was like, nah, you can't compare Jared Allen to Chris Dolman. But, like, the comparison to Jason Taylor is, is pretty close. And, and again, I, Jared Allen had 136 sacks. Jason Taylor had 139. You know, if you look at the tackles for losses and all that, it's very, very similar. You know, um, so – and, you know, and Jason Taylor played more, more seasons. So um, that's my number six guy. I'm going to go with Jared Allen. Again, he doesn't have the wow factor like some of these other defensive ends in the Hall of Fame. Um, he was one of the first guys that I would hear like the motor guy, right? Like this, he's a motor guy. And I'm like, what the hell does that mean? And it's just like nonstop, like going. And, you know, again, some of the seasons he, he was up there with the best defensive ends in the league in, in regards to sacks and, you know, attacks for losses and all that stuff. So uh, this was the guy I, I I was fighting myself with. This is the one that took me the longest. But, again, I'm going to go just based off numbers, and I hate doing that. 
Because for me, impact is more important a lot of times, you know. And again, did I did I consider him the best defensive end in the league at some point of his career? Again, from 2011, I thought he was. You know, he had some really good seasons. He had the end of the, you know the end of his run in Kansas City. You know, he had 15 and a half sacks. Then he goes to Minnesota. He has 14 and a half, 14 and a half, 11, 22. Those are some pretty impressive numbers, man, for defensive end. So that'll be that's going to be my number six guy. Jared Allen. Uh, I hear you. This was probably the one because the, you're making points that I like, like, but they kind of back up mine where, yeah, he's similar to Jason Taylor. And I definitely and I agree. think Jason Taylor's <laughs> an impact player guy. And J- Jason Taylor should not have been a first ballot Hall of Famer to me. And that that's where it was it was messed up. Like Jason Taylor, and that's another have been. guy. I um, kind of Kevin at, Green had like, to wait a while. That's what and I remember. I like, don't we were talking think about Kevin Green. Jared Allen, our, better than Kevin. You know, Green. our show on the '94 AFC Championship game, and I was like, man, they're like kind of similar players, you know. And I was like, man, let me look at and, and Kevin Green has much better numbers than Jared Allen. So it was just I, that's why I didn't even bring him up because I was like, no, that's not a good comparison. And he waited a while. So I, I agree. I agree 100% with your points. That's why I said, like, it was tough for me to to squeeze them in here. But, again, I think just based off those numbers and based off of what they did for Jason Taylor, I think they're going to probably do the same thing for Jared Allen and just get him in there on first ballot. Yeah. I, Which would be the travesty to me because that's that's – not all four of these first ballot guys, first time guys, should be on. I do think three of them, but I think four is really taken away from some people who really yeah. deserve it. And I think Jared, I'll say the biggest travesty to me was that Michael Strahan was not a first ballot Hall of Famer. Hell no. And then to see Jason Taylor get it, and then if Jared Allen, who weren't nowhere near the players that Michael Strahan, and I hated Strahan when he played. Uh-huh. But you had Strahan change the game. Um, what I'll say about Kevin Green and Jared Allen yeah, is that Kevin they Green. were better against the run than I think people give them credit for, but weren't great against the run. And that's the yeah, and that's the thing that hurts them to me is that I I want to pass rusher. I'll be honest, Von Miller's going to get in the Hall of Fame, but that always hurt him. Yeah. Jason like, Taylor call him the best defensive thing. player, and you he'll know, get it because of his numbers. Bob Miller that's about it. is like, terrible. I, 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 he's a great player, but it's just like Strahan was an all yeah. defensive lineman. And that, to your point, like and, to and there's no comparison with these guys. And, and I agree 100. Like if he waited, all of those guys should have waited. But we don't have. You know, I, I just look at it, and the game is changing, and there is more of just, hey, you just go out yeah. and rush the quarterback. But I look at if you're a defensive end, and I'm not saying you're on this level, but, like, Reggie did both great. You run weren't running all right. Bruce Smith, Charles Haley, Strahan, like, they it's, stopped it's, the again, run. You weren't going to run on their side. You weren't doing nothing on their side. I don't like, know where to Yeah. Yeah. And I think I think eventually 
I could put Jared Allen in maybe. Um, and that's only because they, I kind of like for a while I was no on Kevin Green, and I think they are a little bit similar in a way. And then since Jason Taylor's in, but Jared yeah. Allen didn't hit Hall of Fame. I'll be honest, he never hit. I get him being on this list. Like he's not like Bryant Young, where I'm like, why is he on this list? No, but I I agree. But Jared I feel Allen like we're hit at a point really now good on this list that, for me. He never hit great for me. You know, honestly, great is is suspect. You know what I mean? Like like there's a bunch of the guys left who were like I mentioned earlier, like really good for a long time. You know what I mean? And is that Hall of Fame worthy? I don't know. You know what I'm saying? And I know one guy is one of my honorable mentions. I, and we've had arguments with him before. And if you want, I can jump into that. Or if you want to go ahead, it's up. Uh, and it's going to sound like a homer pick. And I know that's what you're going to say. But I'm going to go with Eric Allen. I think, you know, and yeah, again, I'm ahead. not saying no, all ahead. these DBs should get in because I'm super biased with that. But, you know, and I've, I'm going to bring up my same argument I brought up to you. And I know you don't agree with it. But I'm going to bring it up anyway, and it's like I, what I what I try to what I tend to do is like what I just did with Jared Allen is like look at other guys who got in and kind of compare their careers, right? Because that's the easiest way to do that. And you know the you have you know did Eric Allen have the same career as Charles Woodson? Absolutely not. Did he have the same career as Rondé Barber? Absolutely not. You know did he have the same career as some other cornerbacks in the in the NFL? I mean in the Hall of Fame. Uh, Deion Sanders, like I'm thinking of guys who played Rod Woodson. I'm not putting Eric Allen in the same category as Rod Woodson, you know. Um, but I will put him in the same category as Aeneas Williams. I and I know I'm not gonna say I know, but I think you don't agree with that because we've had this discussion before. But again, I'm looking at it, you know, very similar careers. Um, and I, I just don't understand, like, and if at some points. Eric Allen was uh, at a, I don't want to say a better career because it's not a better career, but it's very similar to Aeneas Williams's career. You know, when we go, oh, it's not. I, I don't, I don't, I don't think it is because not at at, at oh, one point no in Aeneas Williams' career, oh, I don't know. No way, man. I consider him a top corner. I, I would say that. Like, I'm not going to disrespect Aeneas Williams because he's not a scrub. You know, and and especially. What I applaud him even more is what he does off the field. Like I, I think he's an incredible dude. You know what I'm saying? Like that's and I have a hundred like I have total respect for Aeneas Williams. I just feel like they they both played at the same level, you know, for a long time. And um, you know, what I what I and again, I'm not saying Eric Allen was better than Aeneas Williams, but I just think they're very close. And but for me, and we mentioned it with Woodson, we mentioned it with um Rondé Barber, we mentioned it with a couple other players. We, uh, Ronnie Harrison, and is when Aeneas Williams made that shift over to St. Louis, and he switched positions again, and it's just like a common theme there. But he also was that leader on that defense, and he elevated that defense. That for me is what puts him over a guy like Eric Allen, you know. But I don't know. I think for a time there, you know, that '93 season Eric Allen had, he should have won Defensive Player of the Year. Rob Woodson won it. Rod Woodson had a great year. He had eight interceptions, but, uh, you know, Eric Allen had six, had four TDs. It, it was a very comparable season, man. And for a long time there, Eric Allen was right up there with the best of them. Even Deion Sanders said it recently that Eric Allen should be in the Hall of Fame. 
and he was the top guy at that at that time, you know, him and Woodson, Sanders and Woodson. So I don't know. It's going to sound biased, but I, I feel like he, he should be in. And I'm not saying he should get in over these guys this year, but he, he should be he should get in. I'll say this on Eric Allen. He he's a tough one. He should I he's a more of a Hall of Famer to me than Jared Allen for sure. Uh, I if you ask me who should be in because Eric Allen did have times where I'm like he's his greatness. Is he great. I never Jared Allen was really good, but Eric Allen had like he's showing signs of greatness. Um, I I see, but Aeneas Williams, we talk about it worse than any situation that we've mentioned with uh Charles Woodson. He's not I wouldn't say he's better than Charles Woodson or um who do we say? Oh Rodney Harrison. But and maybe he might be. I don't know because the Cardinals in the nineties was a worse spot than what the Raiders were or the Chargers were. And the fact that he established himself as a shutdown corner right up there in the to me the last great era of shutdown corners with Dion and with Daryl Green, Aeneas Williams is right up there. Aeneas Williams gave Michael Irvin more trouble than Dion and Daryl Green did. And the fact that when he got the Cardinals, and to me, the leader to get them to their only playoff really success in the 90s, in the big stage, him picking off Troy Aikman and shutting down Michael Irvin and, and leading them to that upset win, and then he still did it in the next week. Um, against the Vikings, like Aeneas Williams was one of the great shutdown corners of all time before he got that trade to St. Louis. Yeah. And like you said, then he does it on that big stage there and led them. Cause remember the Rams had fell off after 99 and he led them back to the Super Bowl in Super Bowl 36 to me with his plays, you know, two picks on Favre in the divisional that pick on McNabb to end the championship game. That's mm, that's a time. Aeneas I, is one of the all time greats. He's a, a shutdown corner, and Eric Allen never was a. I'm shutdown not saying corner Allen was was better than Aeneas Williams. I'm just saying I I wouldn't. Aeneas, Aeneas was got a lockdown. I think Eric Allen was Eric Allen. I would never call close him. enough to Aeneas Williams and to a lot of these other corners in the NFL at that time. And, and you're mentioning these shutdown corners, and I I feel like he should get in. That's again, but. Over some of these other guys we talked about, no, I don't think so. Like, absolutely not. But eventually, he should be able to get in. Because um, again, if you have other guys in there in the league that I feel like at certain times of his career, Eric Allen might have been better. You know, um, I'm not saying throughout his career, but certain seasons, and that's where for me a big criteria. Like, was this guy the best? And I'm not saying I didn't I didn't consider Eric Allen the best corner in the league, right? Um, not by any stretch of any throughout his career. But did I think he was a top five corner in some of those seasons? Absolutely. I, I think so. And um, again, I know we mentioned that we, they have to be the best at their position. Like I, I totally understand that. Um, but again, I think longevity and, and, and big playability, like he had it all. And, you know, he was another one of those guys all around corners. He wasn't just a, co- a cover guy. You know, he was, you know, he's playing the run. He's, he's, you know, he's blitzing. He's doing all of that, too. We mentioned that with Rondé Barber and his other corners. And, um, again, I won't put him over these guys, but I just want to throw his name out there because that's my guy. 
And that's and that's the buy and that's the bias. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like this, I had this dude's jersey and hung up in my room growing up. So, don't mind me. I hear you. I hear you. I I I do think he he's 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 a good argument. I just think. When you say Aeneas Williams, Aeneas Williams, he he's a tier below Aeneas as a player, and that's where I I have to say I that's where we're different. Like Aeneas got the same tier as as those other guys like Daryl Green and yeah, and, I guess that's where we disagree. And, I, I don't you know, I don't look at Aeneas Rob Williams as like I look Aeneas at Rob Woodson, Daryl Green, those guys. Like I, I don't. I'm not saying he's not good. I got he's a great team. player. I just don't. I don't look at him like that. That's fine. I hear you. I hear you. Yeah, we'll, we'll disagree on that one. Um, I'll put honorable mention for me. I had I, I, I agree. Vanica, Alan Vanica, which we I talked agree. about, and to me, I, I will put uh, Steve Tasker. I think Steve Tasker belongs in the Hall of Fame. Um, just the difference maker he was as a special teamer, the impact. And he changed the way we looked at special teams. And I think a lot of times special teams, I get why to an extent it can more than anything, it can be harder to judge them. But I think we have not given enough credit to certain aspects of special teamers that should be in the hall of fame. And I believe from, you know, Steve Tasker is up there and talk about an impact he's made on the game. As a gunner, I knew that was coming. He not only changed. We could talk about how he won games and changed games. And for that Bills, you know, your favorite team of all time, those <laughs> those '90s Bills. When you talk of what when else for an all-time team, I guess we can go to the Patriots. We talk at Vinatieri, but when you're looking at a special teamer as one of the most important people of a dynasty type team, you look at the Bills. He's right up there. We say Kelly Thomas. Reed, Bruce Smith, Steve Tasker is up there. It's just a great player who impacted games and put them on yeah. another level as a winner. I mean, the, the way he can kind of shifted the field of balance helped Buffalo so many times that we, we have to give credit to that. So I think Steve Tasker deserves to be in the yeah, hall. He, was he should my have been in a long mention. time ago. You know, I am and he's Eric on Allen, my but honorable mention. I agree. You know, I definitely agree. I think, so I, I, I you know, perennial pro bowler at that position, he was the position. You know what I mean? Like, he he was the position in the 90s, and he made it what it is today. He made it a very important part of the game. Like, for a long time there, people were only talking, you know, offense, defense, you know, and um, that's all they were really talking about. You know, special teams was not really a, a thing. You know what I mean? And Steve Tasker made it a thing. I know Jimmy Johnson kind of, like, brought that out too. Like it was three phases of the game. And I'm not saying no coaches did that, but I just, from my recollection, I just remember Jimmy Johnson was like the first coach that like, like that loudly made special teams, like a very important part of the game. And obviously it was very successful for him. And, you know, having T Steve Tasker on the bills throughout the nineties was obviously very successful for them as well. And, um, and we mentioned he was the best at that position he changed that position. Like he made it, he made it what it is today. 
you know, and, and we can't talk about special teams. You know, we can't talk about the history of special teams without bringing up Steve Tasker. And that might be one of the first names you bring up, you know, everybody's going to go to kickers and, you know, those all time great kickers. But, you know, when we talk about special teams as a whole, Steve Tasker has to be at the very beginning of that conversation. And to me, that's hall of fame worthy. And he should, he should be in there. I've seen a lot of people say that, you know, but in my opinion as well, I, I agree with that. He, he, he needs to be in. Yep. No, especially we see what, uh, what Bill Bates, he kind of did for the Cowboys in the nineties. Uh, what, yeah. what to me, what Devin McCourty has been, has done for the Patriots this run. Uh, how impactful he's been, or uh, Matthew Slater. Yeah, we got to talk teams. about those, right? Can't, so, can't leave um, that out. And we got to give props, you know, because he, he's part of your favorite team of all time, those 90s Bills. So, yeah. we got to – I know yeah. we, you love those 90s Bills, man. You know, yeah, he circle sure the wagon, you and Chris Berman. Got that, got that wagon going, man. So, Bills Mafia, baby. But – <laughs> but uh, we have also the the senior class and just to you know wrap that up but to talk about the hall of fame coach contributor and the senior committee and we have tom flores bill nunn and drew pearson and jose yeah i mean uh, i know drew start pearson with whoever is, you is want to what, what are your thoughts on, come on those guys you and know, the impact and, they made. And he talks and, when it comes to like Hall of Fame players, and you know how long he's been on the ballot, and you know like that he does. He should be in there. There's a lot of other receivers that, you know, whatever the the argument is going to be. Like I, I know Drew Pearson has been there for a long time. I know he was a great player for the Cowboys. He helped them win a few Super Bowls, and you know I, I, I don't know. I own Drew Pearson. I, I really don't know, and you know. Does he deserve to be in there? I guess so. I mean, you know, he was one of the best receivers in that era, you know, and he, again, he helped the Cowboys win a lot of games, you know, a few Super Bowls. So, uh, but again, I know that's a name. That's like the first name that gets thrown out there when they talk about like snubs and, and whatever it is, you know what I mean? Like it's always Drew Pearson. I always uh, constantly hearing that name. So, I guess I'm just tired of hearing that name. So let's just get him in and get this over with. (laughs) (laughs) I'll say this on Bill Nunn, the impact he made the first really, you know, to, uh, to be a black scout in that time to be hired and to really be, you could say a co-architect of the steel curtain, maybe the greatest team in NFL, arguably the greatest team in NFL history. A lot of those players would not have been there mm-hmm. without Bill Nunn, who was a sports writer and, you know, coach teams. And that's when you saw that line to a Mel Blunt, a John Stallworth, Dwight White. A lot of those guys coming into Pittsburgh is due to the Steelers making that decision to bring Bill Nunn in. So I definitely believe as a scout, yep. he needs to be in the Hall of Fame. And the impact Tom Flores made as, you know, the first Hispanic starting quarterback in history. 
and the first minority head coach in professional history, football history, won a Super Bowl. I think right there yeah. and there, two Super Bowls to to come behind John Madden, the legend that he is, and by Super Bowls outdid him. Got two. Um, Tom Flores to me should have been in a long time ago, and and Bill Nunn deserves to. You know, he's passed away now, but deserves to be in because as far as a scout and a contributor, and I don't, I I might have been if not the first black scout, one of the first black scouts in NFL history. Yeah, I, yeah I, I agree with that. And, you know, I was going to mention Tom Flores because obviously that's, you know, a little personal for me. And, um, again, you mentioned him being the first minority coach, you know, definitely first Hispanic coach to ever win a Super Bowl in the NFL. And, you know, now you only have really one other Hispanic coach, you know, in the league today, Ron Rivera. And, um, you know, that's like a big deal, right? Like we always mention these things, like the impact, because, again, it, you could be a great player, a great coach. Uh, I also measure, like, Hall of Fame worthiness of, like, impact you had on the game. And, you know, to be the first of anything, obviously, that you're leaving a mark on the game. And Tom Flores, again, he's not really talked about as much anymore. But uh, you mentioned what he followed in the, with a lot of success with John Madden. You know what I mean? Like, and for him to continue that success and even that 80 Super Bowl, you know, they were not expected to win that game. And, you know, for them to pull it out over the Eagles was was a big upset, you know. And, again, for him being the first Hispanic coach to to win the Super Bowl, to, to even coach, in, you know, in the league, is, is a huge deal to me. And um, and he sh- you're right. He should have been in the Hall of Fame on the strength of that. You know what I'm saying? Like breaking those barriers, which is hard to do, you know. And, again, as you can see, there hasn't been much after him. You know what I mean? Like in, in regards to like Hispanic coaches and I, I love Ron Rivera. You know, I, he's doing a great, he did a great right. job in Carolina. He's doing a great, he's turning that, you know, Washington team around. Um, So it's just good to see people get those opportunities. And, you know, again, Flores had to knock down some doors and he did that. No, well said, man. Couldn't say that he, Nothing to add to that because absolutely. So hopefully he will get it because it's much long overdue and we need to talk yep. about the impact that he's made for Hispanics and all minorities, you know, the success that Tom Flores has done. But no, I'll say this is a great, lot of fun, man. man. Again, yeah, I, I love was, digging into careers awesome like this, especially guys that we saw play. You know what I mean? We watched a lot of their career. So no, this was great. And I, I'm glad we agreed on a lot of it. Um, I knew towards the end we weren't going to, but that always makes the show fun. But no, it was this was this was awesome, man. Had a great time. Absolutely. So for the one and only Jose Peace. Ruiz, I'm Derby Dove.